a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome back, my dudes. Welcome. Dudes is a gender-neutral term these days. Fun fact. It's true. Oh. I've been enjoying it. Use it that way. Yeah, welcome back. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Uh, the listener doesn't necessarily know it, but we took like half a month off of recording Wow! because we were giving Emily, the pastor space for Holy Week. Thank you. It's a gift to have that time to just focus on Holy Week. How is your energy recovering after that? I'm still very much tired, but it's more so just my body trying to catch up with all the Ah, energy that I've had to use up in the week. Totally. But it was great. Holy Week was amazing. Easter Sunday was great. And now it's just kind of slowing down and giving myself that time and that space to rest and to truly like have my days off and to use my days off to just to do nothing but sit on my butt. Good. So, yeah. But it's good to be recording. On the church calendar, Easter time lasts for another few weeks now, right? It does, yes. 50 days, right? 45. Oh, what? I went to an Episcopal service and they were talking about the 50 days after Easter. So there might be a little bit of difference there that I didn't know. Unless they're adding, unless they're including like the ascension, then it would be that's an adding an extra five. So that would make sense. Oh. Mm. So the Methodists don't believe in the ascension. I see. Oh, no, we okay. do. It, we no, we believe in it. It's just a different part of the liturgical year. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a likely excuse. Wow. What are you guys what are you guys drinking? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got us there, Josh. I am enjoying a springtime blonde ale by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing in Montana. Ooh. It's just it's hitting the spot. So right. I am enjoying a wonderful tall glass of sweet tea. Just classic sweet tea oh yeah i forgot you like sweet tea i, I am a sucker for sweet tea. and now right. that lent is over she's back baby i am yeah. back on the caffeine train beep beep uh i'm drinking something light i'm just drinking a tangerine Lacroix. i mm. was drinking a milkshake on my way here and i thought i was gonna still have some but it's gone so Ooh, a milkshake what wow. flavor of milkshake chocolate of course always uh, chocolate of course mm-hmm. now i'm just thinking of those big like Silver cups yes. that come with the milkshake. That's just basically the refill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like two milkshakes in one. Yeah, never understood that, but I was always a huge fan of it growing up. <laughs> Makes you feel special. Makes the serving size feel weird a little bit. All right, yes, well, it does. we shall get into it now. I have been thinking a lot about, I mean, certainly Lent and Easter are things that occur every year and are kind of on this like cyclical pattern for the church. 
kind of why I brought up the liturgical calendar already, but I'm curious if we can discuss the role of rituals and habits <gasps> and routines <gasps> in religion today. Steven, this is literally on my list too. No way. I'm so happy that you brought this up. I was like debating on bringing this up last time. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. God wow. works in mysterious ways. Where, where, where do you want to start? I think, I feel like the calendar is actually a good way to get us into it. Like there are certainly times in religious life that come around every year or every so often that are set aside to observe something specific. So calling that right ritual or routine or habit, I think growing up in the church I did, I I don't think I was ever explicitly taught that the church calendar was like boring or whatever, but it was never followed for me. And I think some of the language of like, we want to keep things fresh. We don't want to always have to just like rehash the same old stuff would occasionally be part of the reasoning for that, whether that was like outright said or not. Which is funny because keeping it fresh just means reading a different part of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's mostly an excuse for the pastor to feel really creative about like designing the, uh, the next sermon series he's going to go through, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that be topical or just pick a book of the Bible, but give it like an edgy name and have the graphic design team work on something cool. Or one that they bought. <laughs> I'm not I'm not cynical at all. <laughs> uh yeah, I guess I just wanted to start with that this idea of like why why are habits and rituals like this why do they sometimes have the reputation for being boring in our religious lives? Oh. Hmm. I guess the question is, do you find all of them to be boring? Because as I seem to recall, you are a huge fan of the Eucharist. Oh, I, I should say when I, when I talk about it being boring, I don't find them boring. I'm just saying like the culture I Why came- the perception? Yeah, the Why culture the I came perception? from, that is the perception okay. of it. Not me personally. I'm big into it. I was going to say. Hmm. I, I kind of want to hear what Emily has to say because like you grew up in a very racialized denomination- and like, do you feel like you ever had like a perception that like anything that you were doing or that another denomination was doing was boring or like too rote? Um, well, for me, you know, us Methodists don't have a whole lot of, you know, in comparison to other denominations, we're kind of like probably semi not super ritual. But the things that we do have that are ritual, we take very seriously, but not in the sense of like we have to be very strict. It's more of like we just find it to be very profound and sacred. So like, mm. you know, Eucharist is one for sure. But like foot washing. So Maundy Thursday washing feet on that day is classic Methodist practice. Huh. But like I don't like when I hear of people coming who are visiting or you know, those who are longtime members, whenever I speak to them about rituals and their perceptions growing up, they kind of have the same view as me and they don't really see it as boring. They just see it as something that's very profound for them to experience something tangible and something that is untangible. So here's something that you can participate in 
to help ground you, to help center you in this time of worship or this time of, you know, connecting to the divine. And I think we are a, a creatures, a people that like structure. So rituals is just a great way to have structure in our life. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think there are some like the Catholic, like my mom grew up Catholic and she had said, you know, there comes to a point where there's too much structure to where you don't have like this freedom of expression. Mm. And that's how she felt in the Catholic Church was there was so much that you had to follow and had to do that you felt just another face in the crowd. You didn't really feel any individual expression or experience. But, but some people like that. You know, some people like very structured services where you know what the lectionary is going to be every week. You know what, you know, what prayers are going to be said. But some people don't. And so I think it kind of depends on what you personally like in your faith journey. I feel like that's a really good summary. Because you made one of the things you made me think of was how I think that there's a large emphasis in Protestantism maybe like excluding the main line centered around like individual ritual. Like for instance, one of my sub questions under this was like, I was really curious about like how you guys follow rituals in your everyday life. But even like that question itself is like very Protestant in some ways. Like it assumes that we have mm -hmm. personal rituals and not corporate rituals. Mm. And I think that like kind of along the same lines as Stephen, like I grew up in a church that was very Baptist and not ritualistic in the sense of like, like the complicated liturgy of like Episcopals or Catholics or even Methodists really. And like just having like more freedom of expression in terms of like what we're going to do in the service or like how this music is going to tie in with the, the sermon, which obviously like every church can do on its own to some extent. But one of the things you made me think of is that like, I think that we have a tendency to look at sacrament and like worship structure itself as like the rituals. And I think that like, I think it, sometimes it's easier for us to remember that like going to a single place every single week with a lot of people in itself is very ritualistic. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, like as someone who's not regularly going to church, I think that that is a huge like social loss for me. Mm. And like, like, we don't have to get too, too much into Easter since like Easter's already passed, but like, Stephen, I thought it was really interesting that you brought up on Twitter the other week that like you feel like least Christian in some ways around Easter. Yeah. And I myself feel like most Christian around like Christmas and Easter. Like I like this last Easter, I went to three very different Christian services and like it felt like a lot of church in one weekend because I'm like not going every week. Right. I'm not like regularly involved. <laughs> so to like go from like nothing to like three in one weekend, I was like, Bleh. Whoa. But like even that, like making a point to go to three different ones, like felt very ritualistic to me to go to th services around Easter time. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just kind of like rolling that around like the like the individual versus like the corporate idea of ritual and also like the the loss of ritual by like not going to church every week. Mm. Yeah, I think I've been experiencing that to a degree in my own life. And to be truthful, more like conversations I've been having with my wife and not me in particular. So like when it comes to the feeling of like not going to church as a social loss, I personally don't feel that because I truly think that we have, uh, 
not stumbled upon because it's it's been very intentional the way we've built the culture around our Ravel Discord community, but like that community mm-hmm. is satisfying so many needs that honestly I didn't experience all the time when I was going to a brick and mortar church every Sunday, sometimes for years. Mm, that's a really good point. Um, and the, the mm-hmm. way our community will support each other and have conversations that sometimes it's like, yeah, I actually haven't told anyone this before. Um, mm-hmm. And I, they feel safe enough in our community is really, really special to me. And uh, to be honest, I, I, I think that is just a testament to like, the internet is not always just a garbage fire of doom, you know? <laughs> mm, that's so true. Uh, so I feel like my social needs are met, especially because like I'm going to work four out of seven days into the office and I get to play D and D with great friends every week and all that kind of stuff. But like for Dixie, who right now is unemployed, a lot of the, that felt need for like, socialization and that like corporate time of like i mean it is it is something special to just like be in a room with people on a regular basis i think um Mm -hmm. yeah so and knowing that those same people will be there more or less yeah and they're just kind of like baked into the whole thing yeah that's something that she and i have been talking about and in the back of my head like when if it comes up between us and and she's expressing some desire for something like that my brain has like I am in the habit of thinking, well, maybe we should start going back to church because that's where we can get that. But she doesn't want to either. Mm. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I like I see the mm. desire, and we both know that it is available in that place, but in other ways, like the church space might feel unsafe or unwelcoming or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is very curious to me. The reason I say too that the Easter and Christmas time is when I feel least Christian is I think almost like a, a learned sense of uh, like on guardedness or fatigue around like, because having been part of volunteer teams and staff for so long around churches for like a decade since I've been in high school, like Easter time represents to me time that I just like my body has learned that we get really tired mm-hmm. and exhausted and when I get tired and exhausted, like my mind slips into some habits of like, nah, I don't want to engage in anything. I would rather just hole up and be on my own. And I don't, I don't feel like being a Christian right now because being a Christian around Easter is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Josh, one of the things that I really appreciated when you were speaking was um, where we find rituals. So not just in worship or sacraments, um, but really like ritual happens everywhere. And I was just thinking, you know, cause I can hear Thea down the hall, hanging out with her dad, hanging out with Alex. And, you know, we have a ritual for her every day. You know, she gets up and she has her breakfast and yada, yada, but like for getting ready for bed, we have like a ritual. It's okay. We lay out mm. her jammies. We have her wearable blanket. We make sure she has a fresh diaper. We read to her. We sing to her. We give her her last bottle. We rock in the chair and we lay her down. Like, there is this sense of practice that we use in order to prepare. Like that's essentially what ritual is. It's just steps that we take to prepare for whatever it is that you're preparing for. So it could be something as simple as preparing Thea to go to bed, or it could be something as complicated and sometimes even 
unimaginable or things that we're questioning, like going to church every week. We go to church all the time. You, you go to work all the time. And I think there are things that we do ritualistically that we don't actually think about why we do those things, <laughs> but Ooh. it's to prepare us, you know? I've really liked the way that a lot of sociologists have talked about ritual. I mean, like in the in like early sociology, it was more in line with like classic anthropology, like a, a researcher from an outside context going into a community and like documenting what they see and like the way they see the community operate and the quote unquote rituals of what they're going through. And of course, like that's taking a very like academic uh what's the word for like you think your culture is like the center point. Oh, uh, ethnocentric. So it's like a very That's, ethnocentric yeah. view to like look at another community and like label things as ritual instead of like seeing how the community sees that practice or whatever it is. So I think it's okay to use the word ritual, but I think that there, there's just this like perception, I think, of whether it's religious or cultural. Like when you use the word ritual, it sounds very mystical, I think. Like Emily, I liked your point about like preparation, like most like types of ritual is usually like functional, at least in some way, or if not like preparing you to like accomplish mm. something. Yeah. Um, whether that's mm -hmm. like spiritual or physical, like certainly it'd be so easy to like just look at Christianity and like point to the sacraments and be like, those are the pillar rituals. But I feel like the like the word ritual, I don't know if it's because of like folklore or like just different traditions, like using the word differently. I, I just it feels very magical to me and mm. I feel like the word really is just getting at routine like a group of people that are routinely yeah. doing something consistently yeah or even like a family unit doing the same thing consistently for a reason and like usually there's a reason like I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show before but there's this classic piece of sociological satire called the Nasarima have I ever brought this up I forever think ago okay okay share it again okay we should we should include a link in the show notes because it's like it's so funny like you should you should read it uh but the, it's like it's taking the perspective of an ethnocentric sociologist who like goes into a community and like details this like cleansing ritual that the the people in the each household like perform at an altar and it's like using all of this like religious like mystical language and what he's doing is describing going to the bathroom on a toilet. So like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we worship at the porcelain <laughs> altar. Yeah. And it's like, it's very elaborate. It's very well written. But I think what it highlights well is like, we often use words to just like describe our behavior in different ways, like whether it's religious or not religious at all. And Emily, I think you bring up a really good point about function. Like if we're doing something repetitively, hopefully it's for the function of something and not right. just like, we're not even aware that we're doing it. Mm. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah. Just, I like what you're saying. <laughs> well, and, and I also like the idea of it's like, it's preparing for something or yeah, there's, there's preparation to it. There's also just like intentionality to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Dixie and I have kind of built a few themes into our weekly habits. So like Monday night, we call it money meeting Monday. And it's just like the day we go over the budget. Oh, um, every week? Yeah, every week we talk about the budget. Oh, wow. And then like Tuesday is, our, is very much like our basically scheduled, like just quality time to talk about whatever, whenever and all that. And we call it Tea Time Tuesdays because we make a big pot of tea after dinner and oh my just drink tea. This is 
so great. But so like there's there's something about preparation in that like our money meetings are just like, yeah, we have financial goals. Like and if we talk about them every week, it helps keep those goals clear in front of us so that you know, you know, mm-hmm. like we just talked about how we want to put an extra hundred dollars on our mortgage principal every month. So that requires a sacrifice. So sometimes like later in the week we'll be like, ah, I would really rather not cook and we just go out to eat or something. And it's like, yeah, but we had, we, you know, we just talked about this. So it's like preparing mm-hmm. for the future in a way, but also it's just a way to like schedule and routinize, routinize the verb of routine. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, I'll allow it. Make, I think a prime example is the way that Sabbath makes routine the idea of rest. Mm. You know, and it's just like, well, it's mm. it's Sabbath day, mm-hmm. and it became easy apparently to certain people growing up under like the law of Sabbath to be like, we can only do these specific things, and they built extra rules to say what is and what isn't rest, and then mm. Jesus had to come in and be like, yeah, but like you should save your sheep or heal the person in front of you. Like, mm. <laughs> like you're missing the point if it's literally mm. just about like the physical don't lift a finger, right. To get a sheep out of a ditch or something. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, a, a lot of these habits I think will have good intentions, especially at the beginning, but like the longer and longer something is a habit. I think of family traditions of like, at this mm. point, none of us know why we do this, but apparently our great, great, great grandfather said we do this as a family or something. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where the reputation of like, these are boring or like, we don't even know why we do these sometimes comes up. Oh, ooh. Okay. So here's a question. Are there things that you do or have done in church or in your religious life otherwise that you've had to like explain to an outsider and you've never really had to like put thought to why you do like Emily, do you have people who visit the Methodist church having come from a different tradition or have never been to church before? And you've had to explain like, so Eucharist, it sounds weird, but let me walk you through it. Oh no. And I think it's partially because every time we do Eucharist, I kind of already explain it anyway. So I guess I don't really have people then coming up and being like, oh, I had a question about this, which also kind of bums me out that (laughs) I don't have more people coming up to me and being like, you don't want to talk to talk about it more. Yeah, that thing. Like, why? And I and I get bummed about that because even for people who've been doing it for a very long time, it would be so refreshing once in a while to have someone come in and being like, why do we do this? Question. Why? The like what thing? What is the point? Because I think to me that just shows that we're not okay with just doing something because it's always been done. I think it's good for us to kind of mm. reevaluate and to explore why it is that we do it, you know. Just because someone thousands of years ago said one thing was wholesome and needed for whatever doesn't mean that that's the case now and so like what is it that we need Mm -hmm. to continue Mm -hmm. and what are the things that we shouldn't continue do you think Um, it's that sometimes change is just interpreted as like a threat to oh yeah the structure like i think of the movie in kanto right i haven't seen it mirabelle is like (gasps) the one who doesn't get the gift and everyone treats her as Mm. the pariah or the weirdo because like well this is what our family does we always get this gift at this time of our lives and 
you didn't for some reason and mm-hmm. like i mean yeah treated we, differently thereby we say we like change but we really don't because mm. if we really if we really did like change then we would be okay with changes happening <laughs> mm. yeah and i think that's true at least for the the community we have through ravel but also the greater i don't know deconstruction or exvangelical or something like that is we've all i feel like what to very to varying degrees learned to be comfortable with changing the habits of our thoughts i think that's what originally deconstructing oh. was it was exciting to me because i was being introduced to things that kind of like broke that the the thought patterns i had in a very like reformed mm. baptist theology of like you know you read one thing in the bible and it's like oh yeah that's because of this this and this and i have a systematic theology for it but being introduced to new things was like getting me out of the the thought habits i had previously and it was very exciting to me to be like oh other people think of it this way and like oh i can see why they think that and that is kind of what inspired mm. the journey for me was more excitement about the process and less i don't know terror at the whole thing falling apart i think the main things that i've like found myself explaining to other people um that like weren't familiar are things that are more like along the lines of free expression versus like or like individual spiritualized routine versus like corporate ritual like i'm thinking of uh uh quiet times great example i feel like i've like explained that to people before Mm. or uh the church i went to school at forever ago getting my Padawan of divinity. I like, it was very like charismatic and like we did a lot of like prophesying over each other and stuff like that. And I feel like I've explained that once or twice to people like looking back. Yeah. How many, I have a question. How many of the routines that are like, or rituals in Christianity that we've either uh, been a part of before or were a part of now, how much of them have to do with like personal piety? Oh, because for instance, like quiet times to me just feel like like an expression of personal piety that obviously is restricted to the literate Mm. and is a very modern uh, form of spirituality to do like this, like like reading and writing. I would think maybe prayer could categorize. Yeah, prayer. That's what I was thinking. Sure. Especially the brand of prayer that Jesus talks about of like go in private in your closet kind of thing. Go on podcast in your closet. Classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of like uh, giving too, like whether it's tithing oh. or not tithing. I think that that's often treated, or it's it's argued for that it should be ritualistic, and I think it's it's like with an air yeah. of piety. Oh, that's a good point. I would even argue. I was just thinking, even going to church, like mm. in of itself, is. <laughs> A form of piety so yeah at least in like self-expression mm-hmm. josh you have me thinking about tithing we've we've certainly talked plenty about money and about generosity do you think some of the rituals we do or habits we have as religious people are at risk of losing their meaning if we allow them to become habits because i i think i remember you josh saying something about how if tithing is just something you basically budget for and then you don't really put thought into your generosity, then is it really generosity? 
Right. Yeah, but also I think it's possible to, mm, for lack of a better word, like automate your ritual. Like, for instance, like you don't, just because you like schedule your meetings with Dixie every Monday and Tuesday and you like you've budgeted your time for that, that's not like taking any meaning out of it. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I don't know. I guess it's a little bit different. Is it though? I mean, like. You think uh, about, yeah, because I, I mean, even the phrase of like, we pay attention is like, we're paying something. So whether it be time or money. I feel like it would fall more in line with like what Emily was getting at with like, are you actually conscious of like what you're consistently doing or are you just doing it because you've always uh, done it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it could go both ways. Yeah. Like if you can trace it back to a choice you personally made. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, for me, I think that I find a lot of value in routinely giving, even mm-hmm. though I don't tithe to a church anymore. Yeah, right. And like clearly like building in money or time or uh, practice is meaningful. And I think it's more meaningful, like the more consistent you do it. And like, I think that it just like opens you up to like learning more from it. But to me, it like just seems obvious that that's not restricted to religious life. <laughs> Even though religions tend to be probably the most like consistent because <laughs> they're like yeah. lots of people, which is funny. You'd think it'd be like less consistent with more pots in there, more hands in the pot, whatever. But then you also understand why like the Catholic Church got the power it did was because the bigger it got, mm. the more people either wanted or just naturally looked to some form of leadership to say like, these are the rituals we do because people like us do things like this, you know, and just building a culture out of it that way. Hmm. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Heinlein Media Network. Here's a word from one of our sister shows, Keller's Couch. Give me Cameron Diaz. This recent one's probably just like Shrek. Fiona. Let's see if I can. Fiona. Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want me to feed you a line? Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. I'm pregnant with your ogre babies. <laughs> Shrek, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Who's, are you Jim Carrey? 
and I'm a sexy lounge singer, and you're in a mask. <laughs> you're so funny. This coffee is gross. <laughs> I'm tired of this coffee. I need to try something new. Please help me out here. Do any of you have any suggestions? Emily, you've come to the right place. Uh, Steven and I are the resident coffee snobs of the podcast, and we are here to help you. Oh, bless. We are here to save the day with the Highline Blend roasted by the Montana local international award-winning roaster, Revel Coffee. When you order a bag from our Highline merch store, you can directly support the show you love with every bag you buy. Oh, I need to give that a try. So if you want to try new coffee with me, go ahead and order directly from our shop. That's highline.network forward slash shop. Here's a question for you. Shit. Are there rituals that you participate in that are outside of the church or a spiritual gathering that you find to be wholesome? Ooh, outside of a religious. I mean, it's certainly a habit of mine to meet you guys here every Sunday. Oh, uh, see, that's what <laughs> I was just thinking. Yeah. I was just thinking. Um, see, I feel like this is a great example of like, uh, I feel like habit and ritual are like kind of synonyms. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like anything that I... Like, if I'm, like, consciously choosing to do something regularly, like, it's probably got positive impact. I think there is sometimes a reputation that the war, like, that comes with the word ritual that maybe feels like it's more sacramental and, like, Hmm. like a habit is mundane and, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's, like, the boundary between, like, the, uh, the spiritual and profane kind of things. Like, habit is just, like, meh. But ritual is like sacramental or like religious or. Or we also have like concepts of bad habits, but we don't really have concepts of bad rituals. Mm. Which we should talk about soon, but I want to return to Emily's question. Um, I think probably journaling is one for me that I've spoken about before, but like that is a, a habit I have of doing every morning that I find very wholesome. Do I have any daily ones? Emily, do you have any daily ones? Um, I feel like my whole life is like routine. Like every everything <laughs> in my life is routine. <laughs> and maybe that's just the life of a parent, you know, like mm. really having intentional structure placed throughout the day. But um, you like it that way. You seem to thrive under that kind of structure. I do. Like it's not it's not I like do, yeah. uh, the torture of Groundhog Day, right? To you. Right. No, yeah, definitely not. I think my favorite ritual, habit, whatever you want, routine, um, and I already mentioned it, but bedtime, like getting Thea ready for bedtime is one of my favorites because I, mm. I read a different book each night, but I sing the same oh. song every night. And it, I don't know why, but I just started doing it and I told Alex I was going to do it forever. So Good Is it night. the Lawrence Welk song? Sleep tight. It is not. I <laughs> It is not. I have sung that one. No, it's from. No, it's. I sing. That was a reference to our dreams episode, by the way. Go back and listen to it. It was. Yes. Got to give it a listen. The ending is great. No, it's the song. There's a number of songs from the 1970s cartoon of The Hobbit um, that I just absolutely love. And so I sing those 
every night to Thea when I rock her to sleep. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified the cartoon, though, because I'm imagining you listen like <laughs> singing Misty Mountains. Far over. <laughs> I almost started doing that too. version is not that intense. Classic. But now that I'm thinking about it of like routine and, you know, Josh, and I think actually, Stephen, you were saying this too, like if we do it so frequently, hopefully we're getting something from it. And I think that's Mm. why I love the idea of routine is to keep it not just being an everyday mundane thing. It's yeah, you do it every day or however frequently you do it. But if it's giving you something, then I I would hope that that continues to Mm. just spark like this sense of newness, you know, because it can be very easy to fall into a routine and then it loses its life and you just feel like you have to do it and you don't get anything from it anymore, but you're still doing it. And I think it's important for us to evaluate why you're doing it, because then if you find, hey, I'm doing this because I actually get something from it Mm. every time and it reminds me of whatever. And if that's good for you, if that's wholesome for you, then keep doing it and be open to the idea of routines either changing or creating new ones. Because I think people can be intimidated by the idea of you can create a new ritual or a new routine Mm. or a new habit. Yeah. Like I, uh, unlike Steven, I used to journal. Like I'm moving right now and I found a box full of journals that I had for like I like I started them when I went to ministry school and then I like kept doing it for years. And I think I have like 10 of them just like filled to the brim. And like, I totally like journaled in different ways and like tried different things. And then like, eventually like I I just petered out and like, I didn't find it useful for me anymore. And I even remember like I found my last journal entry and I was basically like, I'm not really sure like what I want to write in here anymore. I guess like, here's like an update Mm. on my life. Like I just want to write down some personal things that are happening. And like now I don't journal. Yeah, right. And it like doesn't seem, but like for a long time, it like felt very like wholesome and like a part of my routine. And like I would just always, I would go to a coffee shop and I would break open my journal and maybe read a little bit of the Bible and listen to some music. And like it was very peaceful and just like a part of my routine. And I felt like it was one of those things that I, I would feel very off if I didn't do it. Totally. Mm-hmm. I'd say currently for me, Maybe in a similar way to you, Emily, I've realized that I really like structure. I like winding down in bed. I like scrolling Twitter in bed. I like progressively turn down the lights, maybe drink some tea. I take a shower twice a day. It's like simple, but like if I don't, I feel very off. You feel like incomplete in a way. I do. It's very Mm -hmm. interesting. But it's like one of those things that I totally just built in. Like it just happened. And like now I just do it so much that I'm like, well, I got to keep doing it. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like something that's like wholesome, particularly. I think to that is like enjoyment is a perfectly Mm. satisfactory reason to continue with, you know, like enjoying a shower is great. (laughs) Like, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Also, it's very good hygiene. Something as simple as just like enjoying it for the sake of enjoyment. It's like. I love doing this so much that I think I want to do this every day. And then it just naturally becomes a habit. I think those are the best kind because it's almost Mm -hmm. like they're, they're so attractive that you feel weird if you don't do them like this, 
this feels like can any podcaster do a podcast about habits without mentioning James Clear's book, oh. Atomic Habits? I've never heard of this book. Yeah. But uh, he talks about making habits like irresistible and satisfying and like irresistible oh. in the way that like the craving to perform mm-hmm. the habit or the action or even think the thought is irresistible in the way that it like it gives you what you wanted out of it. And, you know, if you need to change them over time because they're you're getting used to it or you need to like mix it up like that is that's one thing. And he talks about that in the book. But like, yeah, the idea of just like I do this because I want to because I enjoy it. And also he talks about making habits almost like part of it's it's less like these are the things I do. And it's like, I do these things because of the person I am. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. tied to, like, identity in a way that I think some evangelicals even talk about. It's like, I love Jesus because it's who I am, you know? (laughs) You can't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) No. God, just as your grace is irresistible. Make Jesus part of your identity. God, give us the grace to make our habits irresistible (laughs) for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm no, that's cringing. a good point. I like that. That like I do like that. Like, yeah, you just like build them into your life so much that it's just like who you are. Speaking well, of speaking of who you are, Josh, I might offer one to you because my uh, my perception of you is that you are a person who loves to take walks as a habit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can't deny. I it. feel very like very full if I get to go for a walk. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. So there's one for you. That's wholesome. And I think when we hear ritual, I think we also think of complex and difficult. Mm. Um, But rituals can be very simplistic. Mm. And I think there's beauty in that, too. I think when we're caught up in stuff that's so detail oriented and so like we're just wrestling with it at that point. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't like trust me. There are. There are many rituals that I'm sure we've all been a part of that are very step oriented and there's more than one step. But I think there are some that you can just kind of throw the manual on and just say, nope, this like it's one step, like going for a walk. That's <laughs> very simple, very yeah. basic. Um, there's like two steps. It's like put on two, shoes and walk. Yep. <laughs> put one foot in front of the other, basically. It's like. <laughs> That is it. And sometimes um, you don't even need shoes. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even need shoes. Like Those are there's my favorite a walks. beauty in simplicity when it comes oh. to rituals. Actually, that's a good point. Cause like one of my pet peeves is when people refer to coffee making as like my ritual, my morning ritual. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're making coffee. Like stop making this so complicated. But like maybe it's to your point, like coffee making like seems like such a mystery and like so complex to lots of people. That like yeah. me. those people who yeah. know that they're like, yeah, it's, it's my ritual. And and also I think there's something to it. I tweeted a few days ago, like baristas are potion sellers. <laughs> um, like mm. it does give you a feeling of like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe the bar, the barrier to entry to making a great pour over is sometimes perceived as way higher than it is. But like, I love it if somebody can talk in the greatest detail about how lovingly they make their coffee every morning. And also, mm. don't discount, Josh, the fact that so many of us are literally dependent on caffeine to be functional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Function. Preparation. Yeah. So that's part mm. of it. I mean, like, I, I've been, uh, I, I don't think I'm annoyed with it anymore, 
for a few weeks, I've been like, man, I literally just have the this day if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning. And I don't like that I'm dependent on it that way. But I am. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm coming to peace with it where it's like, yeah, it's just part of it. It's all part of it. Like I, I can just enjoy the coffee and I can look forward to it. And I don't need to like create a relationship with it where it's like, damn you. <laughs> okay. Along those lines, I feel like maybe we should talk about bad habits because I feel like yes, please. rituals are always talked about like positively. Yeah. And habits, like we definitely have a concept of like some habits are bad or like you should get rid of some habits. Right. And I feel like Christianity especially focuses on that actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Like whether I it's would like, go so far as to say like a definition of sin is ooh. the habits that take you in the wrong direction. Ooh. I kind of like that versus like a one-time mistake kind of thing or like a, yeah, yeah, that it's, I mean, I think there's certainly more destructive versus a one-time thing. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's even the way that, uh, Augustine talks about sin in his, uh, confessions is like the habits of sin and the habits of the flesh draw Mm -hmm. me toward, toward these actions and toward these patterns of behavior is Mm. what he calls them. And I really like that calling it a pattern of like, the sin isn't necessarily the one time, I don't know, you fall to the temptation, but the fact no, that it's like the continuous, it's the continuous. And it's like the way they'll talk about like temptations get harder and harder to resist the more and more you give into them. Mm. And that's literally just talking about habit formation. Mm. Oof. Oof. I'm not sure what question I want to ask here, but I'm kind of curious, like how you have found yourself getting past bad habits or like what has like shown you that something is a bad habit like for instance like this is just like such a cliche example but like i always chew my fingernails i'm sorry this is disgusting Mm -hmm. i don't know the last time i used a fingernail clipper it was probably like 10 or 11 (laughs) what (laughs) i'm telling you i always chew my fingernails (laughs) (laughs) and like Probably a bad habit, but like I'm aware of it. So like I feel like there's a couple steps to like bad habits is like awareness and then breakage. And like I feel like a lot of what Christianity is doing in regards to like sin habits is like awareness. And I feel like I've never heard anyone articulate a good like step by step. Like here's how you break that sole exception, maybe being like AA. like they've literally worked out the steps for like, yeah, here's how you get over your alcoholism. Got to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But like these are the things that work. But I feel like I've never heard anyone in Christianity like like ritualize the getting rid of bad habits. Yeah, I think sometimes the answers sometimes seem very rote and like, well, the next time you're tempted to look at porn, just pray. It's that simple. And it's like, is it though? Like, Call a friend. <laughs> God, Brian, I am so horny right now. I am so right. sorry I'm calling you at 1130, but oh my God. I just got to tell you. Isn't that what it was like, though, to be like, to be pressured into having accountability partners? It's like, yeah, it's usually in the middle of the night. What are you talking about? I'm going to call a friend. Well, okay. Especially when your friend is like a middle schooler and you're like, I don't want to call their house. And (laughs) when it's all landlines. Oh, my God. We laugh at this. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, living with my husband, who is a therapist, like. He's a great resource about breaking habits um, because mm, huh. so often habits play a huge role in mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Like thought habits 
is another habits, especially so like me, like a prime example. Alex knows I'm especially bad at picking the skin around my thumbs, just my thumbs. <laughs> oh, my God. So is Dixie. It's an anxiety thing for me. And so, uh, you know, I, I could just talk about it and that, you know, is great. You know, but Alex has been great of like you need something else. You you need to have this physical act of doing something in moments of angst, in moments of anxiety, but they need to be more productive and not destructive. Um, and so I don't know how this happened, but somehow in the mail, I got this ring in the mail that has like little beads that you can like twist and push around and it wraps all the way around your thumb or whatever finger. And I found that it fits perfectly on my thumb. Okay. And I use those little beads and I push it around and like I can just very subtly play with the little beads on this ring and I don't pick at the skin around my thumbs anymore. Huh. And I just think there are ways that bad habits like, yes, there are definitely habits that we should get rid of. Like, Josh, use a fingernail clipper, my man. <laughs> But it's okay. My man. But it's okay My to dude. Like find ways to change a habit without causing so much anxiety or pain or disruption in your life. Because that yeah, can be hard dude. to just say, change this habit. You know, people are so good about it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. It's like, okay, cool. But what if at the end of the 21 days, you find yourself broken because you don't know how to replace that thing that you just broke? Like you, you so that that is a huge point of atomic habits is actually like you don't just leave a bad habit behind, you replace it with something. Mm -hmm. Emily, I think your your ring example is perfect for like picking the skin at your thumb. You all all remember fidget spinners? I still use one, (laughs) I have a fidget cube, I love it. Yeah, whoa, Dixie has a fidget cube. We got Dixie a fidget cube a while ago because she was picking at her, her fingers in the same way, and like literally just something to like occupy the hand in stressful moments or or things like that i honestly think sometimes that that is why like the rosary is what it is yes prayer beads mm-hmm. the the tactileness of holding beads while you pray to like keep you focused i even heard on a podcast a while ago i couldn't tell you where but that the way doctors especially in like the uh the dark ages would like prescribe a medicine and then say like take this and say like three rosaries or whatever it was less about like say the rosary because it's also spiritual healing i'm sure in part it was because of that but it was also a timing thing it's like doctors and like priests knew how long it took to say a rosary so if you're waiting for a medication to kick in you just say the rosary that many times like it's a literal like timing thing i thought that was so cool that's really interesting that is interesting Uh Emily, you made me think of like not just replacing a habit because I think that that's really common and works sometimes. But I think the the broader thing, and I I feel like Alex would appreciate this, is incentivizing habits. Yes, like, yeah, that really Preach works it. for changing behavior. Like whether you are trying to mm-hmm. add a habit or like get rid of a habit. Like if you if you want to get rid of doing something like you need to either negatively reinforce or and I'm I'm going to use this very lightly but some form of punishment against yourself and I'm not saying self-harm sure. I'm yeah. not saying no, like no. like withholding things that are healthy for you like food or drink but like for instance if I like 
I want, really wanted to like stop biting my fingernails. Maybe like at the end of every day. Oh man, I think I got this from the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> at the end of every day, if I like found that I bite my nails, I'm like gonna put a dollar in a jar and like not break into that jar until I'm like fully not chewing my nails anymore. Mm, like something like that. Yeah. Like I feel the like way Dixie and I do that is uh if so we have a specific budget for like we're saving for a trip in uh to San Diego in July. And if we go over on like our restaurant budget for the month, the money that we spend over the restaurant budget comes out of the trip fund. So it's like this hurts our trip more and more. Like we'll we'll get to do less things if we don't like shape up today. That's a really good one. You know? Uh I was also thinking back to like I used to practice journaling for years. Like I had dedicated quiet times and I was writing and for a long time it was very incentivizing. Like I found a lot of value in it. I felt very off if I didn't do it. And then eventually it was no longer incentivizing for me. Yeah, because like every habit is based on a craving and Hmm. that that craving can be satisfied in a multiple different in a multitude of different ways. Like it could be picking the skin around your thumb or it could be half an inch away where you're spinning a ring. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the craving is the same and it's how you want to re- like redirect that energy. Honestly, I think that is a lot of the thought that goes into like practices like Lent of like, yes. I'm going to give this up to create space for something else. Well, that's like that's one of the things I love about Lent is it's not just giving something up. It's adding something as well. So what do you do? You because I, I, I think you're in the habit of letting caffeine go for 40 days. Yep. What do you replace it with that you don't do for the rest of the year? Well, that's the thing is I actually find that the things I add, I stick with. Oh, interesting. So like, but it takes, it it, it just takes time. The, so it's not necessarily related to the caffeine. It's just that you're mindfully leaving something behind. Yeah. Okay. And like, man, Matt, no wonder you're tired around Holy Week. You, you, you go through withdrawal of caffeine every year. <laughs> but I don't do caffeine every year. This year it was caffeine. Okay. Which like now that like, yeah, I had sweet tea today, but I've found myself like, you know, I love my Tetley British blend tea, right? Well, they have the decaf version and I found myself just drinking that even more and more and not relying so much on caffeine, but like, it's okay to enjoy sweet tea every now and then. But my, the thing that I added this year was doing 10 minutes of stretching or yoga but it was intentionally listening to my body. So not just doing the same stretching every four days, but it was, okay, like this morning, oh yeah, my hamstrings are super tight. Let, we're just going to focus on that area. And that's what I've been doing every morning. Huh. Like well, after Lent, I, every morning I'm going to wake up and just say, okay, where, where do I feel it today? Where do I need to redirect some energy to help you know, revitalize myself? Um, where am I particularly sore that I need to draw attention to so that way I don't feel it again at the end of the day? And I think it's just this idea of focus. And I think it goes for any ritual is if it gives you, if, it, if it's life-giving, then great. Um, if it helps you focus, then great. If it's, if it's feeding you in a way to where you come out better than you were before, then great. Because I think that for me is what ritual does. Mm. Whether it's a skincare routine or journaling or something in church, whatever routine that you have, if it's something that helps you to be better you than you were before you started it, then like that's what that's what it should be. For me, that's what it is. Well, and I think that like one of the things that I found throughout all of the things that I've like had habits with is that A, I feel like I've learned from 
habits. Like beyond just like doing them and like accomplishing something, I feel like the practice of consistency of doing a certain thing has almost always taught me something. Maybe not biting my nails, but like the good ones at least. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like thinking about that. Do you do either of you know why Christians started doing church on Sundays? I have no idea. Why did that become a a ritual? Because it's not a Sabbath practice. Like there wasn't. Te- no. There's is there temple on Sabbath? I actually don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm a fan of consistency. Either way, like I I think that it's like valuable, especially like when it's wholesome and it like either adds to your life or to someone else's life. And ideally both. I might be wrong about this. I might be wrong, but I think we celebrate church on Sunday. Like we go to church on Sundays because it's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Sure. And then it like happens to coincide with. And it just happens to coincide with. Yeah. I think that's the other interesting thing to me about church is like, like we all grew up in a different context and it's in like what, no matter what time of our life we are attending a church, it's like so easy to see that church as the norm versus like, there's so many other ways that people like express church. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a temptation of everyone just thinking that like you are the norm. Mm. But that's why that this is why I always ask the habits and routine question on no normal people is whether the person follows any routines or not. Like, I think some of the best answers are when I ask and they're like, no, I just <laughs> I just exist <laughs> like but I like that those exist because I, like I'm, I'm the person who like says wrote and says a specific thing every time I tie my shoes. Right. Like everything is a routine and habit and ritual and like. I try to make everything meaningful to me, but I think that highlights the, uh, the individualistic nature of some of these things is like journaling can serve some of us and it doesn't serve the rest of us, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that goes so far as to like Sunday morning church prayer, reading the Bible on a regular, I, like, uh, it's all about life giving. Dang it, Emily with the life giving. I know. I know. I will say, I think one of the things that I appreciate about ritual or routine or habits the most is if they're built well, it's often something to look forward to. Like maybe not the smaller Mm, everyday practice things, but like, I feel like I have some yearly routines. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I would like to have more of them. Like I would like to have more weekly and monthly and yearly routines because like I can really appreciate the like the aspect of looking forward to something. Yeah. Like it's Ooh, really like nice. That. And I think religion captures that in a really beautiful way, just like automatically. Yeah. Or just knowing that the, like you're freed up to not worry about the next time you're going to like, I don't know, something as simple as like deep clean your bathroom. It's just like, yeah, I do that every quarter, <laughs> every three months. I go really after it. And every week it's like <gasps> spot checking and just yeah. the typical stuff. Yeah. I don't, like thinking in different time horizons is very helpful. I, like there has to be a reason businesses think in quarters, right? Yeah. Mm, that's a good point. So. This was a very fun topic. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about this one for a while. Josh, I'm glad you had been thinking about it for a while I too. Haven't. Check that off uh, the list. I'm going to. That's a great one. One habit that the three of us are in that I'm, that I find very wholesome is just sharing what we're drinking every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. I think based on our, last episode's chat about hospitality and my relationship to the actual beverage. Yeah. 
just a very nice thing we do. I'm glad that it's like our thing yeah, on the intros. I like it. Um, let's see. As we get ready to close here, I just had the tremendous privilege of being on the Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible podcast. Our first episode together was on Romans 5, so verses 12 through 21. And this was released on the Trans Regret Snoopy Patreon feed and... They were gracious enough to share the audio and let us share it on the Ravel Patreon feed. So if you'd like to hear me get to chat for 90 minutes with one of my absolute favorite podcasts on the internet, I would, uh, I would encourage you to check that out in either spot and look forward to the future. I'm actually going to be going back on to discuss Ephesians 1 Ooh. in the next few weeks, and that should be out on the free feed. That was a really fun episode to listen to. I liked it. <sighs> Yeah, thank I'm looking you. forward to the Ephesians one. It was uh, it was kind of like a peak joy core memory, like an inside out, you know, just like vibrant yellow glowing orb of memory. It's like going to see your favorite artist in concert, like screaming yeah. your head off, and you're like a giddy little. But then they girl. ask you to be on stage, and then you yeah, yeah and yeah. then they give you a drumstick, <laughs> and you're crying, and you get your picture taken. Yeah, that was Stephen recording that episode peak moments it was truly amazing and i'm excited to keep a relationship going and make another episode and who sees what happens in the future yeah. so. also if you're coming to us from trans get snoopy welcome glad to have you yeah. uh, if you haven't already given us a review we are still actively in our stretch goal for by episode 100 we're trying to meet 200 reviews on apple 100 reviews on spotify we've gotten quite a few We've gotten like a couple more like in the last couple weeks and we're on episode 85, 85, 85, yeah, episode 85. Yes. So we have 15 episodes left. L no, less than 15 now. Oh, thank you. 14. Yeah. So we have 14 episodes left. Uh, so please help us out. Thank you. That would be tremendous. Um, as is our habit, Emily, would you give us a benediction for the end of our time together? Wow. That sounded so I churchy sure just will. now. Oh my God. That was very churchy. <clears throat> You're speaking my language. Yeah. Well, it is our habit, really. That is another habit we have. Yeah. It, it just kind of happened. Consistency. We didn't even plan it. We love the consistency. I do. It's nice. It's a nice book. Consistency bookend. is key. And it's the thing that keeps us going, no matter how simple or complex, whether it's found in your everyday or found once a year. The things that we ritualize uh, can be wholesome and beautiful and life-giving. And sometimes we still wonder why we do those things. There are many things in our lives that we are raveling out. And we can do it in community. We can do it with love and intention. Um, and maybe even create a new habit out of the things that we discover. Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also 
do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down? Pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.